2: Back to Little Cuts, our weekly mini-sode where we dig into the things that we've been watching and playing. Uh, I'm Terry.
0: And I'm Mary Beth. This week we are talking about weird cable TV experiences, a witchy comedy, zombie killing, and angry fishermen.
2: Zombie killing. Sounds
0: like a busy week. <laughs> I was going to say, wow, what a week. What, what a, a week. range of experiences on this <laughs> <laughs>
2: Uh, so t- tell me, I- I'm curious about this weird cable TV experiences.
0: It's like, it's not horror related. It's just, so I went away f- finally for a weekend. Last weekend, I went to my friend's river cottage. A couple of us went down there and we drank sangria by the water and like had mm. a grand old time. And I, I don't have cable. I don't pay for cable. I don't see the need for cable. Agree. I don't need it. But at her family's house down there, they had cable. So, and the Olympics were on and it was like the end of the Olympics. So we thought, oh, cool. Like, let's watch the Olympics. Why the fuck not like drink a bunch and watch horse, like dressage horse stuff. It was <laughs> incredible. But that's not even the experience. So I found out for for whatever reason, I did not know this was real. I knew that ESPN 8 the Ocho was a joke, obviously, and dodgeball. It's a real channel. And instead of watching the Olympics, at one point we turned on uh, the Ocho because they had death diving, which was people what? throwing themselves off of what? like huge platforms and belly flopping as hard as they could.
2: N- n- no, what? Why? And then they
0: had, and then they had um, parkour tag, competitive parkour tag. Hey, Beth, are you, what... are you serious? And yes i swear to god i'm serious we spent like an hour and a half watching this it was like this giant jungle gym and a bunch of guys in t-shirts are playing tag but they're doing parkour over everything so they're trying to tag each other but with parkour do they start shouting parkour and and not that i could hear but like they weren't mic'd so (laughs) but that was incredible (laughs) Because it was like either we were watching artistic d- swim dancing or whatever the fuck, <laughs> and then we would switch to.
2: <laughs> I hope that that's like what it's actually at the Olympics. Swim dancing or what the fuck? Artistic swim dancing. I love that. Yep.
0: Yep. Um, and right. then, yeah, that's what we watched while we played board games. Or we were outside a lot, but we just watched a lot of really ridiculous stuff. And I had to share it because it was incredible. And I thought, I was like, this is a fever dream we are all collectively having. (laughs) But can I also tell you a story from this weekend that I think everyone on this podcast would appreciate? Because it is actually horror, Jason. It isn't what I watch, but it was an experience I had that was one of the most fucking creepy experiences I've ever had. So we were in Southern Maryland. So it's like kind of in the middle of nowhere on the water. Mm -hmm. And we were all sitting outside and it it had been storming all day. And so we were sitting out on the porch, just, like, eating dinner or whatever, shooting this shit, and the power goes out. Ooh. And it's, like, right before sunset, so there's still a little bit of light out, but we're all like, oh, shit, whatever. It gets dark, and that's (laughs) when things get fucking weird. So, like, I... (laughs) I had partaken in some substances, so I am sitting there, like immediately <laughs> thinking of every bad thing that could go wrong at this point. Because like it was eerily quiet, right. And the power was out, and I was sitting there, like, oh my god, this is how, like, this is fucking how every bad shit fucking happens. Like we're in the middle of nowhere on the water, the I power have seen is this out. Movie. Like we're a bunch of drunk, stoned young adults, yep. like eating grill food and like in our Birkenstocks. Like we are not going to make it.
2: You're all like the first people that die in a horror movie. Uh, Literally,
0: every single person there was the first person to die in a horror movie. Uh, I'm the second. I'm the second. (laughs) I have a tiny advantage. So, okay. I'm already like freaking out, like, and telling people, like, are we going to die? And they're like, you need to fucking relax. So, well it gets the lights go out and like the sun goes down um and it's dark and then all of a sudden on the breeze comes drifting music that sounds like it's from bioshock it's like 1920s record player slow just drifting from one of the dark houses i want
2: to set the world
0: it's that vibe not that exact song but (laughs) That, that vibe yeah And like, we did not know where it was coming from. It was like, the power was out. We didn't know what was happening. And it was either coming off of a boat or out of a house, but it was all night, like for like an hour and a half was like drifting on the breeze and the vibes were so weird. And I was like, absolutely not. I went inside. I was like, I'm not dealing with this. (laughs) Like, this is just like, I can't, I am said, that's what I said. I'm like, I'm done. Like, uh, uh-uh. uh, this is too much for my brain. I'm already panicking. Like, I, that is un- unnecessary. And I kept going, like, Steve, Steve, what the <laughs> fuck? He's like, you go inside. So that's amazing. I li- I obviously survived and nothing bad happened, but everything about it felt like something horrific was going to happen. Like when I went to bed, I'm like, they're all going to die when I go to bed. No <laughs> one did. Like it was fine. It was like the one time in a very long time that I was like actively worried about a horror movie situation happening. Like, very, it has not been, I have not been that paranoid about it in a long time. I mean, that I sounds
2: like, like the perfect horror movie setup right there. Like, it is.
0: It Every time we go better. there, I think. Like every time we go there I think that. And like nothing weird had happened until last time. I was like, <laughs> nope. Anyway, that's that whole experience that's tied amazing. up into a weird little bow. It was incredible. I had the best time. It's just very funny. Um Talk to me about zombie killing.
2: Uh so I participated in the Back for Blood um. Beta and Back for Blood Woo! is the kind of spiritual successor of um, the Left for Dead series, uh, published by Valve. Because yeah. um, mm-hmm. that was made by because Turtle Rock. So Turtle Rock began as like a Counter Strike uh, developer, and then they got eaten up by Valve, and they published Left for Dead, and then they left Valve, and now they're making this, which is basically Left for Dead except minus the name. And the, I think the bones of it are really good. It uh, I think it needs a little bit of tuning. Uh, we played it on the easy. We the first time I played it, I played it on the easiest difficulty. There's three difficulty settings, and it was like a breeze. It, there was no real challenge. It wasn't intense like that. Have you played Left 4 Dead? Yes. So you know how like there's that the kind of like ebb and flow of like intensity where like the hordes will come and things will pack up, and I never felt overwhelmed. I guess playing it on the okay. on the regular difficulty. Then we played it again um, later the weekend on, like, the next difficulty up, and it was, like, the spikes were just too much, and it took us forever to, like, make any progress. So I think there's some fine-tuning needs to be done, but I will say that uh, they have, like, this card-based system where you, like, spend points that you earn by completing missions on these cards, and they make you build your own deck, and you can build decks that, like, give you bonuses to melee attacks or give you like bonuses to um, being able to hold more items or that kind of stuff. So you can like build kind of like a, a build for your character and kind of create oh. like, you know, like I want to be more of the supporty guy or I want to be the more damagey person or I want to be the more like I'm going to take the brunt of the attack type stuff. So there's, there, I think there's going to be a lot of like replayability on that aspect of it. But some okay. of the things that I loved about Love for Dead, I don't think it's nailed. Um, the story not that interesting the characters even though one of them is voiced by barbara crampton and i loved her and i played her as much as i possibly could because she's awesome um they don't have as much banter as i remember from love for dead oh okay so I, I didn't really feel like i connected with the characters that much but uh i think it's gonna be a lot of fun and i can't wait to see what's gonna happen once it finally gets released later in in october i had fun with it
0: oh sorry computer froze. yeah i'm excited to play it to play again like that i i, I... I wasn't as into Left 4 Dead but I had a ton of fun playing it and that was the first game that actually got me really one of the one of the first games that got me really interested in like first person shooters mm-hmm. I didn't really like that kind of stuff um I I still don't really like that kind of that kind of like game it's not my favorite yeah. but because like I hadn't really played it but I really loved zombies like at that like I was a big zombie person at that time like everyone went through that zombie phase in high mm-hmm. school I feel like and like <laughs> but yeah, I'm mixed. I'm stoked to play something like that again because I thought it was fun and I I thought it was like not as hard if you're not as like into that kind of style of play. I feel like it's got a, an okay learning curve. It doesn't have like a huge learning curve. Yeah, and I I'll thought.
2: say that the beginning uh, difficulty in this has even less of a learning curve because it, it it's it was longer. And so I remember like Left for Dead. I don't remember how many missions made up an act, but here it's like eight. So there's like a lot of stages you go through. Um, for each like run of it, but like, it was never, I didn't think that on that standard difficulty that it was ever really terribly difficult. We didn't, I think we completed every single map without dying once.
0: Oh, wow. Which I couldn't well, that's say really about,
2: easy. I couldn't say about the first Left 4 Dead.
0: No, that, uh, I mean like, it's not easy, but I could like, I got it, but Jesus Christ, the waves
2: mm, mm-hmm.
0: are definitely hard.
2: But yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to, I, I think the open like this was like a closed um, beta type thing. I think the open beta will be out by the time this episode drops again. So I'll be hopefully playing some more with some friends. And yeah, cool. I'm looking forward to its release. Sweet. Um, so let's talk about that witchy comedy because I, <gasps> I know it, we both watched it.
0: Um. So we both watched king knight which is uh richard bates jr richard bates jr's recent most recent film uh it premiered at fantasia over the weekend and it is very different from like his horror like his horror-y stuff in the best way i loved it it is so funny and weird and sincere and kind in so, the, so many ways that I was not expecting, av- having seen, like, other films of his. And, like, I really love Excision. And this, like, could not be... It is both his style, but so different tonally from mm-hmm. what he is trying to accomplish with Excision. And it is incredible. Uh, what did you think of it, Terry?
2: <laughs> you know, I, I... I'm struggling writing my review. I'm hoping that by the time this episode drops, my review will finally be out there. But I think... The best way that I can figure out to describe this is that it's like taking a 90s or early 2000s romantic comedy plot of like the guy that has like this deep, dark secret and it gets like revealed. And he goes on like has to like, you know, go on that kind of self-reflection journey and figure out who he is, except that instead of being like a popular person that has like some deep, dark secret, it's these groups of misfits and that his deep dark secret is that he was once very popular and voted in high school, the most likely to succeed. And he was on, you know, so it's like this sort of take on that kind of trope, but it's with people that are not popular. And the fact that he was popular is like the deep dark secret, which I think is very funny in a kind of cringe sort of way mixed with like a Greg Iraqi stoner comedy vibe.
0: It's yes, exactly. Like, there are parts where it feels like you know, the parts in excision where it's like the this her dream sequences where she's like having sex with hot guys like mm-hmm. it's covered in blood. They have sequences that are like interludes like that. But instead of it being sexy, it's a bunch of dudes in white and Birkenstocks jumping over like smoke and dancing around in the forest. Uh... and it's so cute it's just so sweet. Like it's just and the whole thing is about found family and like loving each other and yourselves completely. And it's just so genuine in that, mm-hmm. and but also the performances are so serious. I actually talked to him <laughs> about. So I, I think I told you this. I talked I interviewed um, him about this movie for Daily Grindhouse, and he said, "Yeah, I told all the actors to recite the lines like they were in Sophie's Choice." I totally and some see of these, that. And some of these lines include things like, "There's poop in poop in your butt." There's poop in Juliet Binoche's butt like really silly things said in the most serious of intonations and it it, but it's the whole movie which is why it's incredible yeah it's the whole fucking movie and it is just and everyone in it is is so dedicated to the bit it makes it genuine because everyone is like so into it like the the vibe it's ing- it's just so weird it's incredible
2: it, it's a movie that feels like it should have high stakes but it has like the lowest stakes possible and yet everyone is acting as if like this is life or death situation I totally get that Sophie's it's Choice reference so it's just funny it's so good
0: it's so good plus you like get like to when-
2: have like him talking to a pine cone voiced by Aubrey Plaza and a rock voiced by singer Alice Glass like uh, where else would you get that?
0: And Ray Wise dressed as a wizard. <laughs> oh, my
2: God. Is Merlin the best
0: wizard? <laughs> Merlin, that's my favorite fucking wizard. <laughs> it's just uh, it's it's gorgeous. And talking it's about just, Barbara
2: Crampton, she has a great scene stealing performance.
0: Yes. It, it's just it. it is a movie that is very silly, but also very genuine in its emotions mm-hmm. and also like very empathetic. And it's just—it's not at all what I was expecting from no. him. And it's great. So it's really good. And Andy Milanakis is in it.
2: Yes. Who I did—I I didn't know who was, but
0: it's my show. I'm Andy. Anyway, I watched the Andy Milanakis <laughs> show in high school. But yeah, so that's um King Knight. Uh, I don't believe it's secured distribution yet. I haven't heard anything about it I or when either. it might be coming out. But hopefully, I. It's had really good. It's had a really good reception I've seen so far out of Fantasia, and you know, Ricky Bates is a as a relatively well known indie horror name, so I can't I can't imagine it's not going to scoop up some kind of distribution. Yeah, it better. Yeah, it better. <laughs> I loved it. Yeah. Oh, I'm so glad you did. I was like, I think Terry's going to love this, but it's really weird, and it could be off putting. But it's, I I, I it figured hit that
2: comedy sweet spot of like just. It's very cringe and parts, <laughs> and it's very like self-serious, but that's where the humor comes from. And I just, yeah, this was like,
0: um, so okay, aquaticor. Hmm. That's not sharks. Yes. What do we talk about this week? For our, I guess our second, technically, but like our first full-on aquaticor.
2: We talked about orca, which surprised me uh, a whole lot, um, and made me really sad. Not because of the movie. But, like, because of all of the orcas that you see in there have their bent, like, fin, which is um, a sign of them being in captivity because it's based on, like, gravity. And so the fact that they're constantly being forced to, like, jump out of the water, the gravity bends their 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 dorsal fin down. And that's why it flops over. That's not naturally occurring in real life. Um, and so... free willy yeah and so every time i see i learned that from watching the documentary i think it was called like what blackfish
0: blackfish jesus christ that movie ruined my life
2: yeah so after watching that i was and i and i that we heard and i found out about the reason why their dorsal fins flop over it made me really sad whenever there was real orcas on screen because they all had the floppy dorsal fin and i was like it made me just really sad and, and mad um <laughs> but that has nothing to do with the actual movie no
0: that's valid to bring up though because it Yeah, that's valid. Um, This movie also made me really fucking sad because, boy, oh, boy, does this show some fucked up shit.
2: It certainly does. Um, Was not prepared for the baby to just be, like, birthed out of the orca.
0: I was like, is this a self-abortion scene? I was like, okay, so just some context for this. So the movie is about... Shocking, orcas. Um, but not in the way that like a Jaws movie where it's just an evil killer whale. It is a movie about a man who wants to kill a killer whale to bring it to captivity and get money for bringing a killer whale to captivity. But of course, there's a scientist who studies orcas who says, please do not do that. And it is, she is a beautiful Charlotte, a young, beautiful Charlotte Rampling. And she basically has this like really... Fascinating info dump at the beginning when she's teaching a class that is like, they have a tasteful vengeance, mm, um, mm-hmm. which should set you up. So this th- Nolan, this incredible fisherman, goes out and tries to get a whale. It <laughs> goes fucking horrifically wrong. It is mm. the most it, it is a horrifying moment in this. Like this is a was way more upsetting than I expected. So he harpoons the whale, hits the female and he's like what in the hell is that it's screaming Mm -hmm. it is screaming in pain uh and then it tries. she tries to kill herself by running herself into the propeller so she will not be brought into captivity and Mm -hmm. then when they hoist her up uh, by her tail to get her out of the water she just had like just a she i say self-aborts because the baby comes out as as a feat as an undeveloped orca fetus and while this is happening, her male, her partner, her male whale partner is screaming and looking at her, and there is screaming going on. And there, at one point, Nolan gags, which is an incredible shot of him going. Ugh! I was like, okay, respect. And then from there, it is the male orca getting revenge on Nolan for killing his wife. His wife. What am I? <laughs> <laughs> that's my wife but he then he so the orca proceeds to like systematically destroy an entire town trying to get nolan
2: okay this is my favorite parts where the orca is busting the, f- the fuel line knocks a lamp over that causes a fire somehow that fire goes up the hill to a power plant and explodes that and there's just like scenes of exploding on this, then- this town
0: but the best part is when it's exploding. In, in, in Neo Morricone, who did the music, his his score is playing while he, like, an orca just, just jumps out. Just <laughs> majestically. majestically <laughs> jumps out and is, like, framed against the flames. And I'm like, uh. this is the best movie I've ever seen. Also, as a side note, the movie opens with. Neo is beautiful like gi- a giallo-esque spaghetti western mm-hmm. score with just orcas jumping out of the water and being very majestic and it feels like the weirdest nature documentary you've ever seen and it is incredible.
2: What's so funny though is that you can tell that they filmed the, the whales at like SeaWorld and superimposed them into the water because they it does not look <laughs> at all like it's at natural all. and they're just like jumping and they use that shot i mean it's the same shot that's in the explosion when he jumps out of the water like they just keep repeating that same like image that they shot at like sea or something it's a uh, it was ridiculous and i loved it's it it's
0: ridiculous it is so cheesy but like in a in a way that it's cheesy now but probably wasn't cheesy then um But yeah, so it's about an orca looking for revenge against the very, very graphic killing of his wife and child. I'm saying wife because it feels right because they feel like people. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's a revenge tale from an orca. And also the orca saved a person at the beginning from a fucking great white shark.
2: Yeah. And then ate the person later. Just pulled that person right off the, the boat later. I, I made a note. It's like, I'm just getting inked off the boat. Hilarious. And this orca <laughs> is really good at pushing things. Like, that's all the orca really does for most of the time is either ram things or just, like, pushes things. He pushes an iceberg towards the ship. He pushes the iceberg that Nolan is on. He's just, like, really good at poking things. And I love. He doesn't it. have
0: thumbs.
2: Okay. But that's fair. He's
0: got to use his noggin in more ways than one.
2: But I also thought this movie tried really hard to make orcas scary, and they're just not. They're
0: just so cute. Oh, they, so, they they scare the shit out of me. Oh, have I you just think seen video- have you ever seen videos of them surfing onto the shore to get seals to eat? Yeah, but I mean. <laughs> <laughs> It's just like yeah okay good well that's fine As you have the context you have the context and that's all that matters and I'm but, glad you have all the information but
2: on the other this other side of things there has never been outside of captivity a fatal attack by a killer whale on a human only in captivity has it happened it has not happened in in, in the real world and the outside world with like
0: natural was it the fuck that orca that dragged the guy underwater at sea and everyone yeah, was yeah. like what the fuck and they were like oh he's depressed and they're like fair oh <laughs> they but they definitely did a lot to make orcas scary and i think but scary but in a way that like isn't the same as jaws which is fascinating and that jaws oh what am i trying to say here like jaws sharks being fish and whales being mammals and that, that kind of differentiating like oh but mammals have better have like more developed brains than mm-hmm. fish and there was like that interesting kind of look at that as like mammal and like that very very clear comparison between humans and orcas while in jaws and the like, movies about aquatic horror it's very much like they're apex predators and like we are very different from them which is an, which is interesting to see how that's kind of handled in these two movies
2: yeah because um i i mean you get the feeling that Jaws is like villainizing sharks, and this movie, yeah. I never felt that the orca was villainized.
0: No, I. Nolan was the villain the whole time, mm-hmm. but Nolan was the villain not just by the orca. The orca standards, again, a phrase that I never thought I would say. <laughs> um, the The fishermen are like, oh, "You fucked up," because so the angry. whole town, the whole town was like, "We have superstitions. You don't fuck with the orcas." And you did, so we're not gonna give you gas, we're not gonna let you leave. Like we are going to make you like to make you really realize the consequences of your actions. So, and I liked that too, because it wasn't just like, oh ha, crazy animal in the ocean, but very much this person disturbed the natural balance of things, and he like was saying, Oh, that's not possible about these animals. But everyone was like, actually.
2: Yeah, and this definitely had like a fatalistic feel to it, um, sort of in the same way that I would say, like, Moby Dick, like, you reminded me a little bit of, like, oh, Captain Ahab yeah. with Moby Dick more so than...
0: I thought about that, too, yeah.
2: Because, like, I, I mean, it's just, it's him versus the whale, and, like, he feels that he needs to destroy it, and, but he also feels sad for it, because, like, randomly his wife and, and his wife was pregnant and killed by a drunk driver, so, like, he understands uh, the... Pregnant
0: wife driving herself to the hospital to have her <laughs> baby? I was, like yeah well that's so funny because so he has that like he sees he sees the whale and has this weird flashback when he's looking at the whale and then they explain it later but i was like to him and the whale have a psychic connection i was <laughs> really i was like i know that's probably not the case but if him and the whale have a psychic connection i will think this is the best movie of all time <laughs> so it
2: And was- also has Derek getting her leg bit off by an orca
0: yeah and dying from that yeah that seemed a little extreme that she died from that situation but maybe she bled out like that could be part of it
2: i just love that they have they have a house on the water like literally it's on the water and the orca like pulls out the stilts and the house just sort of like starts to collapse and then she gets a quint moment and then yeah he's off with her
0: leg I was like, I feel like that we probably should have better structural integrity for houses like this. But I, what do I know?
2: Do you have a house on the water, Mary Beth? I don't. I don't, actually.
0: I don't. Not, no, not near the water or literally, <laughs> or literally on, on top it. of the water.
2: That just seems like a bad idea.
0: No, it seems like a terrible idea. Um, uh, also, the credits song. Rainbows for
2: your eyes. I was like, "What the? What is this ending?"
0: <laughs> I so badly like that made me think about how so badly I want to write. So I don't know what I want to write, but like credit, like end credit song choices, they're my favorite thing of all. Like I fucking love end credits, like end credit songs that make zero sense, and mm-hmm. it, it happens a lot in anime. But here, like a lot of it's like, in, the, in, but in horror too, there also are some hilarious like end song choices. So it's like. Why?
2: It felt appropriate going into the movie that we we're going to be talking about on Monday with, like, that song that gets played throughout it. Puberty, love. We'll be talking about okay. that. But it just <laughs> reminded <saying> me. It. <laughs> it just reminded me because, like, the song just comes out of nowhere. And it was, like, high-pitched. And I'm like, wh- what even is this song? Like, dude's dead. Um, I believe that the orca dies at the end of this? Question mark by Swimming underneath the the, uh, iceberg. And then it just cuts to this rainbows for your eyes. End credit song. I'm like, what? What? But why not? What? What? What is this?
0: Rainbow. Wait, who sings that? (laughs) I don't even know. I really, really loved it. It was scary. Intense. It it was. I guess I, I don't know why I think of this when I hear of a movie like Orca like, oh, it's a ripoff of Jaws. It's not going to be as good. But it's, I think it is on par with Jaws in, way, in ways. In ways. In ways. Hey, there. No. I don't know if it that far very fast, but. <laughs> I really liked it. I really liked it. I don't you, think it's better than Jaws. I just say parts of attention were really good, like in Jaws.
2: It was very quick, too. It was a quick movie. It's true. It was a quick
0: movie. Well, oh, is that how you feel about it? Okay. That's how she feels about orca. She told me I'm an idiot, by the way. So, <laughs> so what, what aquatic horror are we diving into next week, Terry?
2: I am really excited about this one. We are going to watch 1980s Alligator, which isn't readily available in the United States, but is streaming on YouTube. So um, if you want to catch up with us, go watch it. And it's actually a really decent copy that I found on there, it looks like. It looks like it might have been ripped oh, from, from a Blu-ray. It looked it looked pretty good from what I saw. Um, I've sweet. never seen this one. I'm really excited to watch it. I've heard good things. I'm
0: assuming it's about an alligator.
2: It is about an alligator. And it was <laughs> um, co-written by John Sayles. Help me um,
0: remember who that is.
2: So I... I mean, maybe he's not as as well known, um, but like he wrote a movie called uh, *Lone Star* that I remember having to watch. I don't remember if he was in high school or college, and I really liked it. Oh, okay. Okay. He's a he's a really good writer, in my opinion. He wrote oh he wrote he wrote *Piranha*, the original *Piranha*, and he wrote *The Howling*.
0: Oh! Oh shit! Okay. Okay.
2: Um, and this one, this movie, from what I understand, is is really, really good. So I'm really excited. I'm really excited to finally watch this because it's not cool. readily available here, which sucks. Um, and then who are we talking to on Monday, Mary Beth? I sort of hinted at you alluded
0: bit. to it. So on Monday, we are talking to Matt Donato, uh, the other part of Certified Forgotten the other Matt. And we are talking about attack of the killer tomatoes.
2: Attack of the killer tomatoes. Tomatoes.
0: <laughs> 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 and everyone that must like, have been great fuck. on your ears. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's incredible. That movie is incredible. Matt's story about this movie is incredible. Mm. It's, it's just, and it's so fun. Cause it's not, it's not scary. it's incredible it's absolutely great if you guys haven't seen it i highly recommend you watch it before the episode just because if you need a reason to now you have it
2: it's so silly
0: it's so silly but smart um yes very smart but also a little racist oh very racist (laughs) very racist it's it's very 1970s and 80s it's just got that vibe all over it Mm -hmm. um but listeners, you've heard from us. We want to hear from you. Uh, did you watch or play anything that we talked about this week? Uh, do you have suggestions for movies that we should be checking out? Uh, send us an email at scarredforlifepodcast at gmail.com. Or you can reach out to us directly on Twitter. I am at mb MBMcAnders.
2: And I'm at Gailey Treadful.
0: And of course, don't forget to follow the podcast on Twitter at Scarred podcast.
2: And please don't forget to review, rate, and
0: subscribe. Thank you to Eric Power for our artwork. Thank you to Sean Keller for our music. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Please stay safe out there. But most importantly, stay creepy.
2: And until next time.
1: A profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right. And we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you small-town dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.COM